There is such a thing called conscious consciousness. In terms of consciousness. In terms of consciousness. What consciousness is. The Mind Science Foundation podcast. Diana Reese has been studying dolphins for decades. She's pretty big in the field of animal cognition. But in the summer of 1983, she was a young cognitive psychologist, running her first dolphin research center just north of San Francisco. We had two pregnant dolphins. They were just about to give birth, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to study the young animals and how they would develop. And I was standing there recording the entire time that one of the animals went into labor. This was the second of the two to go into labor. The older one, Terry, had already given birth, no problem. She immediately swam alongside her calf, even nudged it to adjust its respiration rates. But now it was Cersei's turn. She was young, inexperienced. Cersei gives birth and apparently does not know what to do. The calf is just swimming freely and Cersei doesn't go for the calf. Reese is just standing there at the edge of the pool thinking, Cersei, go get your calf. She just left it there. It could get hurt, run into a wall. And I see Terry turn her head towards Cersei and she emits this, what sounded like a very complex whistle. And immediately Cersei goes for the calf right after that whistle and then followed whatever Terry was doing after that. And I was amazed because it looked like such a clear piece of communication to me. Cersei had seemed to have zero mothering instinct. Then Terry had whistled something to her, and she'd immediately sprung into action. I mean, it's stuff you hope to see when you're studying animal communication, but you rarely see things that clearly. Reese analyzed the whistle later. It was a pretty complicated set of sounds. I looked at that call and I realized that I, I think this is more than just a single whistle. I think I, my impression was this may be combinatorial. Like multiple messages conveyed in one whistle. She's thinking, what is going on with these dolphin whistles? One way she decided to study this was by giving the dolphins the chance to interact with new sounds, sounds that might have meaning for them. She put a giant underwater keyboard in the dolphin pool. Nine keys, set up three by three. And each key had a different shape on it. And each key produced a unique whistle. When the dolphin hit a shape, they heard a computer-generated whistle, like different than their own whistles, and they could imitate them if they wanted to. I purposely designed it that way. So if they hit a key, they heard a whistle, they got a particular object or activity. It was like a giant vending machine for dolphins. The moms, Cersei and Terry, weren't super into the keyboard, but their calves totally were. They'd keep pressing the buttons to hear the whistle sounds and then get something like a ball or a chest rub. Here's the really exciting finding. They mimic the sounds really fast. On their own, this was spontaneous. And it's quite reminiscent of what you see with the young children when they get a toy. And let's say it's a little boy playing with a doll. And the boy, little boy has a doll in his hand. And he says, doll, doll. And the way they started picking up these whistles that went along with the objects or activities was in pieces. Terry's son Pan was the first calf to do this. After they heard ball the 19th time, Pan started imitating it. And the way he did it was he segmented the sound. He broke it apart. So the, just very much like we see with children. So the ball sound sounds like sort of a wolf whistle. And there were sort of flat parts at each end. When he first did it, he imitated just the end of it. It was just the, the, the last part. I can't even do it. And he did it exactly and the same time and frequency that the model sound was. So he had great fidelity to the actual sound. He did the same thing with the whistle that went along with belly rubs. He did the end part first, then a compressed version of the entire whistle, followed by the very beginning of the whistle. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that they have a different time scale in terms of the kinds of signals and how they're processing signals. 
we can't think about dolphins as processing sound in our time frame. They're doing it much more quickly. And again, they're pulling apart these sounds. They're segmenting it. But in the 1.5 seconds that the original sound was, they did the end, the whole thing compressed in time, and the beginning the first time. That's a mind blower. This is me totally anthropomorphizing, but it makes me think that each little segment of a whistle would be like a word that he could pick it up that way? Well, that's exactly what I'm thinking is happening, and we're in the process now of collecting more data. The calves also did this other surprising thing with the whistles. In the second year of the study, we noticed a new kind of signal that started, and it was only in the context of when they were played this new game they had invented we called double toy play. And what that was was they would come up to the keyboard, and they would hit for ball, for example, and then they would stay there, and then they would hit for ring take the ball and the ring and hold them in their mouth at the same time, toss them in the air and try to catch them together. And when Reese looked at the sounds the dolphins were making when they did this double toy play, she saw this crazy new whistle. They were making the sound for ring and the sound for ball in one single combined whistle. It didn't just occur once, it occurred in most of the sessions and in this context of double ball and ring play. It's like they were taking the computer whistle language and using it to create their own signals, maybe even words. Reese noticed other surprising things about dolphins, too. They recognized themselves in mirrors, even used them as tools like humans do. If the researchers put a mark on the dolphin's side, the dolphin would turn its body towards the mirror to inspect the spot. We used to think that we were the only cognitive advanced species and that we're at the pinnacle of this tree. And that's not the case. Reese has also branched out beyond dolphin research. I was always taught as a student to stay out of the advocacy arena. Be a scientist, do your science, and then others can apply it to policy change. And that just doesn't work for me anymore. We have the information. We're the ones who are working with these animals up close and personal in many cases. And even though we don't know everything about them, we can't ever know everything, we know enough to know they need global protection. She's been an advocate for protecting dolphins from tuna nets and also putting an end to dolphin hunts in Japan. She's also looking at ways to study dolphins outside captivity, in the wild. And she's still working to get even closer to decoding the whistles like the one Terry made to Cersei that day of the birth. We're looking at a very different species, and we don't have an official Rosetta Stone. To me, the keyboard was the closest I was getting to a Rosetta Stone, some way of translating. She's now working on an underwater touchscreen to get an even more detailed look at dolphin communication. For Explain the Brain, I'm Audrey Quinn. Explain the Brain comes at you from the Mind Science Foundation. You can find them at mindscience.org. And you can find more episodes of this podcast at SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. This season, we have new episodes on the fourth Thursday of every month. So subscribe to get them automatically.